You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Today on the show, we have Trent Lipinski, and his net worth actually is not over a million dollars anymore. He has built two different companies, one that he sold for over a million dollars and became a millionaire, but he has since spent all the money. He does not like to invest in real estate or the market. He it calls himself a child of the recession. And you'll find out a little bit more about his story and riding the waves in Silicon Valley as a tech entrepreneur. But his story is very interesting. There's a lot of valuable content. So without further ado, let's get right into the show. All right, welcome to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast. Today we've got Trent with us. Trent, do you want to kind of just give us a little bit about your background and who you are and what you're up to? Yeah, so I'm a tech entrepreneur. Uh, I'm born and raised in the Bay Area, so I got into the tech scene pretty early on. Um, I started an Apple News and Rumor website when I was like in high school. Uh, the next thing you know, I'm going to Steve Jobs keynotes. I'm reviewing products for like all these tech companies, and I had ten writers working for me by the time I was like sixteen. Um, so, I this was like before the term blog even existed, but basically, I was like one of the first bloggers on the internet. Um, so, I ran this Apple News and Rumor site, ran it for about five years, uh, sold that, uh, moved on, started writing for some bigger public publications, uh, got in a bunch of trouble doing so, um, and uh, was really into like journalism and muckraking and those kind of things. Um, so uh, after that, uh, I started, I actually dropped out of college, went to go work for two of the former founders of uh, MySpace at a startup. So they had walked away with about $50 million. Uh, they then started a new company, and we were trying to compete uh, in the in like the like live video online video space back in two thousand six two thousand seven. So this was before YouTube was YouTube, uh, and uh, you know we tried to launch LiveVideo.com and do live video streaming and all that kind of stuff in two thousand seven two thousand eight. Uh, we failed miserably and spent fifty million dollars in three years. Wow. Uh, <laughs> And uh, the company failed, and we did not get investment because of the market crash. So, uh, and then YouTube became YouTube, uh, and we did not. So, uh, from there, I moved on to Playboy. I did internet marketing and web development for them, only to get off laid off a year later. Um, so, after that, I started working at a medical research company. Uh, I was running their lead generation system, built their website, uh, was doing a lot of their internet marketing, that kind of thing. Uh, realized, you know, what I was doing for them, I could be doing for myself, and I could build the kind of site that I built for them for other people. Started freelancing, started making some money, and this was still like post, you know, this was still post 2008. This was, you know, we were still in a recession. So I had three clients in a row screw me out of my last payment. Uh, and I was like, all right, my business model is not working here. Um, and so I pivoted uh, to giving away my, I built a WordPress theme, gave it away for free. Uh, and next thing you know, thousands upon thousands of people started downloading it. 
turned that into a startup, bootstrapped it to a million dollars in revenue, and then sold it uh, five years later. So since then, I've been an executive in the tech industry, consulting for various startups, uh, currently working with uh, the former founder of JP Morgan, or I'm sorry, the former CTO of uh, JP Morgan. Um, I'm working for a startup that he's uh, the lead investor on. And then we've got a CEO who's former IBM uh, VMware. So I've been working with them now in the cloud computing space for about two and a half years. Uh, I also just recently joined a, uh, we're kind of like a hybrid agency consulting venture fund. We're, we're, our ultimate goal is to raise our own fund. Uh, but uh, right now we're still kind of in that consulting agency space. Um, so, and then I also just launched a new project this week. Um, which is a uh, renewable energy cryptocurrency. Wow. Cool. So what, what did your net worth top out when you sold your business? Gosh, I mean, I've managed, I mean, so it's, it's so net worth, I mean, I've managed probably anywhere between 1.6 and like $1.8 million okay. in the last like six or seven years. I mean, a lot of the money, you know, that was coming into my business obviously was my business's money. So, uh, you know, I, it, it, it's hard to say it was mine. I mean, legally it wasn't mine. It was the company's, you know, um, but I was in control of where all the money was spent, obviously. So, uh, you know, it was, you know, a lot of business decisions had to be made, you know, where you're allocating funds. A lot of money went into marketing. A lot of money went into my team, uh, always, developing new products. Uh, I acquired other products and other companies and brought them into the fold and then, you know, tried to get a return on those products. So, I mean, it's, it, I mean, it was just business. So, I mean, ultimately it's the same kind of strategies that you would see in your like standard investment fund, uh, except instead of, uh, you know, instead of, instead of companies, they were products, uh, and services. So, um, you know, that, yeah. So ultimately, I, I've managed I've managed a fair amount of money in the last six or seven years. So you've sold two companies, is that right? First, when you were sixteen or seventeen, that was that was yeah, the Apple forum. I was, I believe, I was about eighteen when I sold that. I mean, that was. And how much did you sell that for? Uh, that was like ten thousand dollars. It wasn't a lot of money. Gotcha. Um, I mean, for seventeen, eighteen year old, that was that was cool. Right. Um, right. Fair enough. I mean, honestly, I was, uh, I just was over it. I'd been doing it for five years, um, and I just kind of wanted to move on. Um, so the money didn't really matter to me and I, you know, I was making money from other things. So, um, yeah. And then how much was the second company sold for? I'm not allowed to disclose that number. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So, so how come you decided to go to college? Uh, well, I draw, I actually tested out of high school and then, uh, a year early went to call it thinking, Oh, I'll just test out of high school a year early, go to college, you know, hoping, uh, that that would be better. It wasn't, it was like a repeat. I, I feel like I was actually learning more in high school. I think. <laughs> um, uh, because once I got to college, it was like, Oh, like I learned this in seventh grade. Um, so it was just kind of like, especially when I was taking all my GE classes and everything, it was just, yeah, a lot of stuff I already knew. Um, when I started taking classes more in my major, 
uh, it was a I mean, it was just a rude awakening because I was like, you know, I had one class, for example, where I was, uh, it was a giant lecture hall, 150 students. And the teacher used to deflect other students questions to me because the teacher knew I had the answer to their question <laughs> and knew more about it than he did. So I was in the, yeah, and I, you know, and then I'm making, you know, I'm making probably more money off ad revenue from a web, from the websites I was running than my teacher was getting paid to teach me. So, um, <laughs> it was like, I was in the wrong place. Um, so when I got a job offer to go work with two former founders of MySpace at a startup and they had $50 million, uh, of runway, like I didn't know they were going to spend it in the next three years, but, um, <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it, you know, I was like, all right, like go get experience and make money, uh, or pay someone else go in debt, uh, and maybe make money. Um, so I dropped out uh, and I've had zero regrets about it. Uh, probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. Gotcha. So let me just, for our listeners here, I'm going to read the, uh, the first email you sent me. Cause I, I contacted you, Trent, and you said, so I'm not a millionaire millionaire anymore. <laughs> I, have, I have made a million dollars with only with one of my startups, but I spent the money. So your approach has kind of been to reinvest that money in yourself, right? And future companies. Correct. And that's where you and that's where you're going now in the future, obviously. With what yeah, you just talked I mean, about. you know, I I'm a as Hillary Clinton would put it, I'm a child of the recession. Um, <laughs> so, you know, uh, I watched. I watched what believing in uh, the system gets you. Uh, I watched as my mom's friends lost their houses and their jobs and their 401ks. I watched as my mom's house was essentially stolen by Bank of America um, with an illegal countrywide loan. Um, you know, I watched all of that happen. When I was a young kid, I watched the dot-com bust in the early 2000s. Uh, and I watched, you know, everyone go through that, all the adults that I was growing up with, like, you know, a lot of people lost a lot of money back then. I watched it again in 2008. I lost two jobs in 2008. I mean, I had a dream job working, you know, with those MySpace guys on livevideo.com. That was amazing. Um, you know, the three years I was with them, like I got a better education than I could have gotten in school. I got to work with real entrepreneurs. I got to work on research and development projects. I got to work with the marketing team. I, I got to learn how everything worked and I got to touch it and experience it. Um, so, you know, you, you know, I, I've seen how the system works, so I don't trust it. Um, am I going to go throw all my money in stocks? Like probably not. Um, am I going to invest in real estate? Well, we saw what happened the last time people invest in real estate. I mean, right now the bubbles the real estate bubble today is far worse than it was when the market crashed in 2007. So, you know, 2007, 2008. So right now we're on the verge of yet another crash. I mean, the student loan debt in this country is insane. Uh, I mean, most of, the, most of the friends that I have that finished college to the, that are now in their 30s are still paying off student loans. So I'm, I don't have any student loans. Uh, I dropped out like, and they thought I was crazy when I did that. Like, <laughs> and now they're the ones who are still, you know, essentially in a debt slavery situation. Um, so, 
you know, I kind of look at reality and I look at everything the way it is. And, you know, money is just a number on a computer screen. We have fiat currencies. This shit isn't real anymore. Um, and it hasn't been for a very long time. So, you know, we're playing in a financial system that is literally just made up. Uh, the Federal Reserve just goes and types numbers into a computer screen whenever there's a financial problem and just tosses money, you know, where it needs to go. Um, that's that's not an economy. That's not a free market. That I don't, I don't know what that is. It's, you know, some would argue it's crony capitalism. It's I believe it's even more corrupt than that. Um, so. Yeah, I invested my money in my team and I invested it in people that I knew and I invested it in myself. Uh, I lived a good life. Uh, you know, I, I, I live in San Francisco. You know, I, I have access to, you know, a whole world that most people never get to experience. So let me ask this, Trent. When you, when you had that exit, you know, either the first or the second, did you ever consider investing in, in somebody else's company that you knew that was another startup? Or had you just kind of decided, hey, I'm going to take all of this money, I'm going to invest it only in my company to try to grow it and, and get bigger? And That was, yeah, I mean, I there were definitely moments um, where I thought about investing in other companies. Uh, I acquired a couple. <laughs> um so, you know, I, I, people within my market that had good products, uh, I acquired them. So, you know, I, I played the strategy myself, um, you know, within my market. And, uh, you know, I knew, you know, when you, when you get a business, when you get, when you're bootstrapping, you know, it's kind of like you turn on a hose, but you have no idea when the water is going to run out. Um, and, you know, all of these startups, you know, technologies, all this stuff, it's all a trend. So you don't know when, you know, it's kind of like a wave, you know, that you're watching out in the distance. You don't know how big it's going to be by the time it gets to the shore. Uh, and you don't know when it's going to crash and you don't know how quickly it's going to get there. Sometimes that wave gets freaking huge and there's an undertow and like you see that wave, you know, rise up and it turns into this massive thing and it slows down. And then, you know, but at the end of the day, no matter how big that wave gets, it still crashes on the shore at some point. Um, so I knew, you know, I knew early on that I was, you know, I hopped on a tech trend. Um, you know, I was in the WordPress space. I knew mobile technology was going to take off. I knew we were about to have a paradigm shift between people using computers and using mobile devices as their primary computing device. So I capitalized on responsive design, which was a web development technique to be able to get your website that you know was on your computer and get it to resize and fit on your phone. So I knew that wave was only gonna last me so long. I didn't know if it was gonna be two years, two weeks, two months. Um, it ended up being about five years um, and I wrote it for as long as I could. Towards the end, should I probably, you know, in retrospect, you know, bought some Bitcoin and diversified? Hell yeah. <laughs> um, like. You know, in the end, I was throwing money, more and more money at marketing. I was, you know, I was doing, I was trying to save it. You know, you've been, you've been working on something for five years. You get emotionally attached to it. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't want it to die. So, you know, I was, I was using my money to play different tricks. I was implementing different automation techniques, uh, different marketing techniques and trying different things. And meanwhile, you know, the internet changed. 
you know, we went from, you know, in the early, like, even in 2000, you know, gosh, 2011, 2012, like, you could generate free traffic on the internet fairly easily. Uh, you put anything up that was relevant, you know, it would show up in search results. Um, and you could use different SEO techniques to, you know, get traffic out there, use content strategies. You could do all of that. Um, but then in the last three to four years, everything's been moved behind a paywall. Um, Facebook and Google ads own the advertising industry. Uh, everything is pay to play. Now you basically, you have to do podcasts. You have to, you know, do all of these other things. You have to launch YouTube channels now. Uh, and even those are being censored and shut down. And, you know, I, I've got 13,000 followers on medium when I publish something and like, you know, maybe sometime, I don't know. I mean, when I read about the new iPhone, you know, 8,000 people will read what I wrote. But, uh, when I write about, you know, something that like actually matters, like renewable energy, you know, a couple hundred people read it, even though I've got 13,000 <laughs> followers. Um, so, you know, all of this stuff, you know, the entire internet has been gamed. So just like our financial system was rigged possibly before I was even born, um, you know, the, the entire way that we get traction and traffic and the way that marketing works and how to get attention and eyeballs online has been moved behind paywalls. So, you know, you have to spend money to make money now online. You can't, the old methods just don't work unless you previously had something established, um, you know, or you leverage, you know, a design space where you can get some traffic for free if you provide high quality content. Uh, podcasts are a perfect example of that. Um, but, you know, ultimately, if you don't have money in the bank, you, you can't compete these days. Um, so, you know, it's, and the, the startup scene, especially out in here in the Bay Area, I mean, it's, it's crazy what people are doing. Um, they're taking out huge, huge loans and like running up like massive debt and, you know, living like there's, uh, you know, like they've got, you know, all this liquidity and that they've got this cash flow and they just, they don't, it's negative numbers. Um, you know, but because they're able to keep that momentum of cash flow or they're able to show user traction or whatever it is that their VC may be valuing or whatever their situation is, uh, you know, they just keep inflating this bubble. Trent, why didn't you, did you think about selling earlier? I mean, of course, yeah. you're, you're in it. You've been doing it for five years. You're emotionally attached. I mean, and it's, it's I mean, it's easier to say, right, in hindsight. And was that, um, that was obviously the goal to keep growing the company, but was there a time where you kind of said, gosh, maybe I should sell? Not really. I think ultimately I was looking for an investor first. Um, so I realized at a certain point that I could only take this so far and that I needed other money in. Um, right. so when I realized that I needed other money in, you know, I had been living down in Long Beach, like relocated back to the Bay Area. Originally, again, you know, grew up in the Bay Area, went down to LA for a while and then came back. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I was like, all right, going to go back to San Francisco, find an investor. You know, I, you know, I was getting a million people a year to my website, you know, doing anywhere between thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a month in revenue. Um, so, I had cash flow. I had a brand. I had, you know, all the things. It's funny because, 
you know, had what I had, you know, in 20, you know, 13 been what you had had in 2003, like I would have been offered $10 million from a VC firm. Uh, and I would have accomplished what, you know, everyone in the dot-com boom failed to accomplish. But in 2013 in San Francisco, I had accomplished nothing. Um, so, you know, it, in a world of unicorns and a world of billion dollar companies, you know, bootstrapping to a million dollars is nothing. Um, so I couldn't, you know, I could have, con I had many conversations with VCs. I spent probably two years really just like trying to get an investor and then just was meditating one day and realized like, screw it. Like, I just need to sell the company. And then I sold it within 90 days of making that decision. Um, so it was just like, once I knew to sell, I sold. Um, but I didn't really think to sell before that. Gotcha. And how much longer after you sold, did you say, all right, I'm going back at it? And did you take a little break or did you start right back up? I went to Hawaii for three weeks. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I needed a break. Uh, I was burnt out, uh, you know, started getting health issues and, you know, working 16 hour days, five, six days a week is not, uh, is not healthy. So, uh, yeah, it was, I was pretty burnt out, took some time off. Uh, I started to ramp up some different ideas and some different projects, uh, did a lot of research, a lot of reading. Um, really started studying everything I had kind of missed out on because I mean for five years being in a startup and then ultimately almost six by the time you know everything was just like by the time all the paperwork was done and you know by the time everything was sorted and you know you've got everything taken care of it's it was another nine-month process um, so I didn't know that I you know had never been through that before um, so you know, it was, uh, it was, you know, so there was a, there was a window there where, you know, I was still just trying to wrap things up, uh, right. so that I could move on. So then it was, I, you know, I, I kind of set up my S corp started, you know, knowing that I was probably going to go into consulting for a while. Uh, and then I was, you know, advising several startups. So that was the other thing I did is I, I kind of started collecting startups. <laughs> So I went around to different industries and different emerging industries and, uh, you know, started meeting early entrepreneurs and founders and networking with them and, you know, finding, finding projects I liked and advising uh, other founders. So a lot of those startups, I mean, some of them I'm still advising and working with today. Uh, you know, what I'm working with raising around right now. Um, but uh, you know, some of them didn't pan out. Others just went on their own path. Gotcha. Let me ask, I want to ask about the consulting, but before that, what would you say your, your, maybe your, your top couple or few lessons were from that, that first company? To care of your health. Um, that was a really important one that I didn't understand. Um, you know, I was in my twenties, so you know, I was initially I was eating fast food and, you know, just caffeine and staying up all hours of the night and uh, just kind of living recklessly. I didn't really know it at the time. I thought that was kind of normal. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that would be probably the biggest lesson I learned was, uh, you know, don't you got to pace yourself. You can't burn out. Uh, you got to delegate. 
Um, you got to build a team, build a hierarchy. I had a good team. It's just problem was, was resources. I needed to bring more people on. Um, so our products were, we grew too fast. Our products were too successful. So we had to deal with support. Um, and growing a support team increased overhead significantly. So when your overhead's increasing and you're getting more and more popular and you're getting more and more customers and you have to talk to more and more people on a daily basis, you have to pay the people to do that. Um, so, you know, it was, uh, so the, you know, all these new challenges kind of presented themselves. So those were the things that kept me up at night. Um, so I would say taking care of my health, probably the big one. Uh, obviously I should have invested in Bitcoin sooner. Um, <laughs> like I was watching it, I was tracking it, I was studying it. Like I was, I, you know, early, early on, uh, and like an idiot, I just never bought any, um, <laughs> or mined any. And I just, I, I don't know. Uh, I was just, but, and by the time I did, it was too late. I mean, I, I've gotten a nice return, but it's, yeah, it's nothing of what had I invested when I first found out about Bitcoin, I probably could. We'd be having a very different conversation right now. You probably uh, wouldn't be talking to us. Well, <laughs> I would, but uh, we might be talking about a B <laughs> instead of an M instead of, you know, in front of, you know, but yeah. So I, I'd say should have invested in Bitcoin sooner. Uh, and then towards the end, you know, I should have let go of the emotional attachment and diversified my my money. Um, yeah. So let me ask but, this: you're you're gonna you're gonna have another exit. I mean, it's inevitable, right? Entrepreneur just keeps pursuing and keeps pursuing. So when you have that next exit, that liquidity event, how are you going to invest that money in the future? Uh, I mean, I'm taking a couple different approaches right now. Um, so my goal right now is, you know, I know, I know how difficult it is to raise a traditional fund. So I'm exploring the ICO space right now. So I just launched my first ICO this week, actually. Um, so that's for a renewable energy cryptocurrency. Um, so the goal there is I'm trying to raise an investment fund because ultimately, you know, my next exit, uh, you know, will I walk away with half a million or a million dollars or whatever? Maybe. Personally, yeah. Um, that could very well happen. I've got a couple things in the pipeline that could do that for me. Um, but that doesn't really give me the money I need to go play with. Um, like that, you know, that'll pay my bills. That'll keep me going. Um, but I, I mean, the kind of investments and the things that I want to do, are way bigger than that. Um, I would say cryptocurrencies, blockchain technology, it, cryptocurrencies I, I, I see as a as a cute implementation of blockchain technology. Um, I think the blockchain itself is where the potential is at. Um, the, that's, blockchain technology is something we're going to be talking about 10 years from now. Um, cryptocurrencies, maybe not as much. I don't know. Maybe cryptocurrencies will still be something then... Um, but I think there will be, you know, there's going to be ebbs and flows uh, with cryptocurrencies. Whereas with blockchain, that's just going to be a steady incline for the next five to 10 years. Um, the same thing for machine learning and artificial intelligence. Uh, that's also going to be an incline for the next five to 10 years. Um, fintech, financial tech, uh, insure tech, insurance space, also going to be a major major inclines in the next few years um those 
those sectors, and I mean, you could even argue that, you know, cryptocurrencies kind of fall under financial tech. Um, you know, I think those, those sectors on the tech side have the most potential. Uh, the industry I'm actually the most excited about uh, is actually the cannabis industry. Um, I think the cannabis industry has massive multi-billion dollar potential, possibly even trillion dollar potential in the next five to 10 years. Um, the opportunities in that space are going to be huge. Uh, I, I think we're just scratching the surface of the science uh, and really figuring out how the different cannabinoids work, um, how terpenes work, how they all work together, uh, and then being able to isolate those and mix and match them into different products. Um, so, you know, most people think of marijuana as, you know, the dare days and whatever. Uh, but, uh, you know, that was the result of prohibition. Uh, ultimately, the plant itself, uh, particularly like CBD and some of the other compounds that are in it, have immense uh, potential for medical benefit, and they don't even get you high. Um, so I think the pharmaceutical industry uh, needs to watch out because uh, if we can get legalization on a federal level at some point, and uh, you know, obviously at a state level, it's happening in Colorado, it's happening in California. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a this is the wild west uh, right now in the cannabis industry. So I see massive, massive potential for the cannabis industry, and that there's I've got a couple projects in that space. So, so you're dabbling you, in a lot. Go ahead, Jason. So, are you? Would you want to make like direct investment uh, into some a, a company that's in that space, or would you kind of more? Okay, I would make direct investments in companies, and I would also acquire intellectual property. Gotcha. Um, and I would also probably invest. I mean, one of the first things I'd probably invest in, uh, and I, you know. I have people I'm partnered with right now. That's why I'm working with them uh, as I would build a marketing agency. Um, because one of the things that I've noticed with a lot of startups is uh, a lot of founders, especially technical founders, amazing product people, they can build incredible products. Nobody knows how to get them to market. Nobody knows how to market them. Um, so, you know, to be able to have a successful investment strategy I think I would have to go build a marketing agency and marketing wing of whatever I would want to go invest in. So then when I make strategic investments in particular markets, I already have the marketing team in place to go promote those companies uh, and to go bring those products to market. So I think marketing, just old school marketing, uh, you know, is probably would probably be the best in initial investment. So then when I invest in different technologies and different companies, I've got that executive team in place that can make something happen with them. Uh, because I, you know, I've worked with a lot of startups and uh, again, you know, occasionally you come across a startup where they have a mark, where they're all marketing and they have no product. Uh, but those are rare um, and they don't last, um, you know, those companies are the ones that go out of business. Those are the ones that get sued. Um, so it's really the companies that have good products that create real value for their customers. Um, you know, that, those are the ones that usually have the hardest time getting in front of people uh, because they're so good at what they do uh, and they're not good at marketing it. So you're dabbling in a lot of things here and you obviously have extensive uh, experience in the startup world, you know, maybe the majority of that's in tech, let's say, but what, what advice would you give to our listeners, somebody who might be early starting a company 
And maybe this is too simple of a question for you, but. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, if you're just starting out, um, you know, you've got to really, you know, I was just talking about it a little bit. It's about value creation. Um, you have to focus on creating value uh, for your potential customer. And you need to understand and know who that is. Um, a lot of startups also miss that as well. Um, you know, they don't know who their initial customer is. Uh, if you don't know who you're building your product for, um, you know, in some cases you're building the product for yourself because it solves a problem that you have. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that other people agree that that's an important problem to solve. Um, so, you know, knowing that there's market validation, knowing that there's someone else in that space, or you have insight into some piece of information that says, hey, this is going to become something uh, and people are going to be interested in this in the future, uh, then you can catch that wave. Um, so, you know, value and then again, finding value, a way to create value for that customer. So value can look like a lot of different things. Um, mostly it's solving a problem for someone. Um, but it could also be as simple as Netflix, uh, you know, entertainment, you know, pay, you know, it's an economy of scale decision when you, you know, you subscribe for Netflix pay 10 bucks and get, you know, all the entertainment you could basically ever consume in your life. Um, so, you know, there are obviously things like that, but, uh, you know, if you're just starting out, you know, reoccurring revenue, uh, is another really important one. Um, you know, I, when I first started my company, we were selling products all apart. Um, so that makes forecasting really hard because you don't know what's going to happen next month. Um, so recurring revenue, if you can build a business around a sustainable value creation system, that is also extremely critical uh, because you don't want to just sell cupcakes one by one. Uh, you, you'd be better off shipping cupcakes every month to a customer who's going to eat that cupcake every month uh, for a monthly fee because now you know I'm going to make X amount of dollars next month. Uh, now I know, you know what to do uh, to keep people to keep subscribing. Um, so, you know, this is really common in like software as a service companies. Like you want to know what your drop off rate is. You want to know what your churn is. You want to know all of these different metrics so that you can focus on creating sustainable value over time so that they keep paying for your service. Um, if you're solving short term problems for someone and it's a one off, then you only get paid one off. Uh, if you're solving a long-term problem for someone, then you continue to get paid potentially forever until you sell your company. And then those are what you know investors are looking for. Investors want to see reoccurring revenue. They want to see that you know every time I do you know A, I'm going to get B. Um, they want to see that you know there's that sustainable curve of incline. You know that that incline in revenue. They want to see that. Um, and again, it helps with forecasting, it helps with projections, uh, it helps with valuation, it makes the math really simple. Um, so that, those would probably be my, my advice to, uh, startups today is solve a long-term problem. Gotcha. Well, Trent, thanks so much for taking the time. Was a millionaire to be a millionaire. <laughs> so any, uh, how can people get in contact with you if they want to reach to you? Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Medium. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on pretty much all the major social media platforms. So, All right. Gotcha. Thanks so much. Thanks for taking the time, Trent. 
Thanks, Trent. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.